When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the Staple Show. We are back right where we belong, almost on time. It's a game week, but I'm running behind in the stadium, right, Brian Talbot? I am at- <laughs> This is Shout, uh, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Uh, gear up for game day. Elevate your food game and automatically receive a chance to win hot prizes every time you purchase a product from fan favorites like Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Powerade, V8, Body Armor, Lay's, Cheez-It, Frito-Lay, and so much more. Uh, When you purchase your favorite brands with your bonus plus card, now until October 28th. First up, your chance to win a Pit Boss Smoker, the perfect prize to help elevate your game day experience. Purchase product from any of the participating brands uh, September 3rd through 16th, and you'll automatically be entered to win. Uh, Head over to topsmarkets.com backward slash gear up for game day. For official rules, Ryan, we uh, it was a busy day down in Orchard Park, and we are going to get to everything uh, that that happened. Some thoughts on on some news, but how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. There's an actual football game tomorrow that uh, you know the wins and losses matter in the NFL, and we're just getting inching closer and closer to Buffalo's game against the New York Jets on Monday Night Football. Well, we got to start with um, the roster position battles that have been kind of being waged over the last couple of months. We'd spent the summer talking about what the bills were going to do at middle linebacker, right guard, cornerback too. And today we got our answers from Sean McDermott. And I don't know, it was, it was a little surprising that maybe I thought he'd, he'd, he'd run this one all the way down to the goal line for Monday night and maybe wait to reveal who's winning the job. But I gotta be honest with you. It's felt over the last week or so that we were headed towards Terrell Bernard at middle linebacker. And that's what Sean McDermott revealed today. Cornerback number two is going to be Christian Benford. Now we haven't gotten the details of what it's going to look like. Is it going to be another rotational situation? We'll find out. And then Osiris Torrance winning the right guard job. I almost feel like that was the least surprising of the three. And I don't know if any of the three were surprising, right? I would say Bernard to an extent where he missed all three preseason games, Matt. And and this is like winning a job where you don't have to show up for the tryout. And that's kind of what it was. I mean, Dodson struggled so much in the preseason. The Bills may have looked back at that tape and said, how can we have him starting in week one? And yes, I know. I know uh, Bernard had a really strong spring. I know that he was he was coming on during the summer, but to miss all three preseason games and then be told, well, he's going to be our starter at middle linebacker, uh, a spot that's been a key for this team over the past few years with uh, Tremaine Edmonds, obviously. I was a little surprised, not so much in that he won the job, but the fact that he didn't 
play in the preseason and was still given that. Obviously, I agree with you that Osiris Torrance was the least surprising of the three. Outstanding preseason, uh, looked the part. I love the fact that the Bills are getting some rookies heavily involved in, in this uh, offense and defense this year between Osiris Torrance and, and uh, Kincaid on offense. And, you know, who's we'll have to wait and see, I guess, a little bit more on the defense side of the ball, see if, if any of these rookies get involved. But definitely the least surprising of the three moves. You know, the Bernard one, to me, I always felt all summer that we were kind of headed in that direction. Like when Balen Spector didn't make, um, kind of got removed from the competition early in training camp, and then Tyrell Dotson struggled, especially into the games, even while he struggled and Bernard couldn't play. It's almost like, all right, like this has been so bad that it's like you got to just take the other option no matter what happens because – a, you drafted him. And this is what Sean McDermott said about Bernard, which I think was a bit telling. He's an extremely smart young man. He has good football instinct. The game makes sense to him. He works extremely hard. He's got the respect of his teammates all around him. I think that that's important. Like his teammates have his, you know, respect, respect him and they believe in him. And that's important. And, and Jordan Poyer said he's a, is a guy that came in and, and took control of the defense, which from the outside looking in, it's hard to see that. Like you got to take Jordan Poyer's word at that. And, and he said he's a young guy with a lot of speed. He can go sideline to sideline with a lot of power. He can hit and he's very smart and instinctive. It's like those four things right there to me would win you the job based on no other um, you know, criteria that we saw in a, in a game situation because those were the things that I just didn't think that Tyrell Dotson at his best was able to do. Yeah, and I thought going into week one that Aaron Rodgers and this Jets offense was going to attack Tyrell Dodson if he won that middle linebacker job, and it was going to be up to the Bills or Dodson to kind of counter that. And and while I still think that the game plan for the Jets might be attacking Bernard, seeing what he can do, you mentioned the athleticism, you mentioned the sideline to sideline speed, the instincts. If that is on display, uh, he might be able to make a play or two, get a pass break up, make a play in the run game, whatever it may be. And if he can step up and do that, you're not going to see him necessarily get picked on or get targeted as much. That's how it always works in the NFL, Matt. If there's a, a supposed weak link, you're going to throw at them. You're going to attack it until they can stop it. So if Bernard can come out early and make a play or two, uh, the Jets might have to pivot off of whatever game plan they may have had for attacking that middle linebacker position without Edmonds being there, who for, you know, maybe not to the Bills Mafia, but to the national media had been somewhat of a superstar for this team. Bernard kind of took us into what he was doing in the preseason today when he spoke at practice. And I think it was probably a little overwhelming for him. This was the first big game week media day. And, you know, how it works at the stadium is like, um, or at the practice facility, they set up a, a, an area where, you know, Josh Allen will go for the press conference, Von Miller, Stefan Diggs, et cetera. And then everybody else kind of like does their own thing. And ever since the David Questenberry, uh, well, let's just leave it there. Ever since last season, the, the, uh, the bill reporters uh, that are, that have the cameras, they have to do all the interviews on the outside of the locker room. And because of that, you you're almost it's almost like they're kind of standing there waiting to I don't know kind of looks like you're going to tackle the guy as he's coming out here because they got all these media set or uh, these uh, cameras set up. So anyway, when when Terrell Bernard saw this, I got to say probably like 15 cameras coming his way and, and kind of circled around him. Uh, you could tell that he was a little bit overwhelmed for a moment, but I thought he was pretty measured in the way that he was talking about all of this. And when he took us into his preseason and what he was doing while he couldn't play. He said he had an earpiece in on the sidelines. 
He was listening for Sean McDermott, who was calling the defense, visualizing the calls as they went in and kind of going through the mental rep of what he's going to do when he's in that position. And obviously this is something they've probably been repping pretty hard since he returned to practice last week. Um, and, and now it's going to be a situation where you hope that because of his ability to maybe play fast after the snap, if he can get everything figured out before the snap, you have a chance to maybe make some plays, not only in this game, but over the course of the first month. Yeah, and there's something to be said about being able to watch off on the sidelines. I mean, we, you see it in football. You see it in hockey sometimes where a guy gets scratched and he uh, gets to watch the game, whether it's uh, from you know the, the press box or whatever, and you get to kind of – go through the motions of what's going on and, you know, what should I do? What is my responsibility here? But have that earpiece in to kind of be picking up on things. Maybe that'll be beneficial to him. It is still a great big unknown. If you're asking me right now, what's the biggest unknown for this team going into week one, it's still the middle linebacker position, but based on the candidates and where they are right now, in terms of their development, I think the bills did make the right decision in terms of who won that job and who's going to be starting against the jets. All right, let's get over to cornerback two for a minute here because it is going to be Christian Benford. And I, I'm very interested to see how this plays out. Like the way that, you know, McDermott talked about him just being, you know, on top of his assignments, you know, trustworthy. Like those are the kinds of things that it feels like this is a, a job that's been won more so than it's a job that's going to be like a split time type of situation. But who knows? Like maybe we get to the game and, they want to run some Dane Jackson out there and see what it looks like. You know, maybe he's struggling Christian Benford early against some of these weapons. Uh, Garrett Wilson, obviously being the, the the biggest of the bunch. And so we'll see how it plays out. But Benford winning the job, the former sixth round draft pick, uh, beating out Kyer Elam, which I feel like we've been trending in this direction for weeks. Sean McDermott actually referred to Benford's practice performance, like going back to training camp with some of the, you know, the interceptions, some of the, you know, the, the contested catches or, or, or passes, you know, this is something that we've, we've been on the road to, right? I thought it was neck and neck late in training camp between uh, Benford and Dane Jackson. And I thought, well, the bills might go with the veteran in Jackson. They know what they have there. They can mix and match it. And, but then you're right. He had those two practices where he had three interceptions total between them. And that just kind of put put him ahead a little bit. The instincts, the jumping the route, the reading the quarterback. Uh, he did, you know, one interception against Josh Allen, uh, a few others against the backups, but he was still in good position on all the plays. We saw that in the preseason uh, against actual uh, NFL opposition going toe-to-toe -toe or going right down the sideline with the opposition making pass breakups. He made the plays in training camp late when it mattered. He made the plays in the preseason when it mattered. And then when the Bills are kind of deciding this job, I mean, that strong tape down the stretch for him had to put him over the top. But when it comes to Dane Jackson, the Bills could definitely put him in for 15, 20 snaps if they really wanted to. And they're going to feel confident in every snap that he has on the field in terms of he's going to know his assignment. He's going to be in the right spot. He's going to keep the play in front of him. So this turned out to be a very good problem for the Bills, having at least three cornerbacks throwing Trey White in, obviously, uh, that you have a lot of confidence in on the outside. And you're not writing off Kyrie Elam here, but it, it's just it wasn't in the cards for him this year compared to the summers of Benford and Jackson. Yeah, I, I think like the Kyrie Elam conversation, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. I mean, I, I think like you see in year three, the Bills moving on from Boogie Basham. I, I think it's a little bit of a different situation for Elam because I think there's some more runway. And I think they have the benefit of having other players at the position that they can rely upon. Like if you look at Boogie Basham, to me, the biggest end result there is that 
you know, they, they needed to move in a direction where they can try to develop other players because listen, after Von Miller, after Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau, I mean, there's just a lot of question marks and Shaq Lawson's not getting any younger. I mean, this is a 2016 first round draft pick. We're not talking about a super young player. I mean, we're, 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 we're kind of getting to the, you know, almost 10 years in the league here in the next couple of seasons. Now I think there's plenty of juice left, left in Shaq Lawson's game, but I think that the, the point I wanted to make on Elam is like, this sometimes when you have these setbacks time after time, like last season, he kind of overcame it, got into the game, made some plays. Like maybe they saw something in that. And it's, and it's a situation where, all right, you get into the season this year and you, and you never know what's going to happen with Tredavious White. Like, you know, he's coming off of uh, being able to play from the time he re- returned at Thanksgiving all the way through the season, but his availability you know, he's, you're always one play away from having to rely on a young player. And I still think that there's, there's time for Kyrie Elam. Um, I think he's headed towards being a bust. I, I think that that's fair to say the bills end up getting to a place where they have to move him. I don't think we're there yet. And I, I also think that he can change the course of all of this when he finally does get an opportunity, if he continues to play uh, the way that he did last year, but also taking it up to another level. Yeah, the reason I wouldn't say he's already in bust territory is because of his play when called upon last year, the interception against the Chiefs, the plays against the Dolphins uh, in, in the postseason. He, he made plays when called upon, but it, it's clear that there's still this learning curve when it comes to being a good fit for the system. And he is running out of time. He's not there yet, but he is running out of time. And it could be very similar to Boogie Basham and, and Kingsley Jonathan. You know, you just mentioned Basham kind of running out of time with this team because of the ascension of a Kingsley Jonathan. If you get a Jamarcus Ingram, then he has another, he stays on this practice squad all season, or maybe gets elevated at one point, plays well, has a really strong summer next year, kind of uh, a la what Benford did, then maybe you you can say, okay, it's time to move on from Elam. It's time to call that what it is and keep elevating these younger players that are fits for the system. Uh, and that's not to say that Ingram's a better football player, but he's a better fit possibly. So, I could see that trajectory happening. I, I do think that he, you can start if you're a Bills fan, you know, the, the word bust, I'm not there yet, but if you start using it, I understand the thought process. This is year two of a first round pick, not being able to win a starting job and hold a starting job for, uh, you know, a span of time last year. We'll see what, what happens this year with injuries and things like that. But right now it's not looking like a good return on a first round pick for this Bills front office. You want a good return? Why don't you text 716-528-6727 and become a Shout Insider text subscriber today. We're giving out a two-week free trial. Uh, if, you, if you send me a DM, if you send me uh, an email, mperino at nyup.com, I might be able to even work out a one-month free trial, see what it's all about. And the Shout text line is now sponsored. It is brought to you by Carrie C. Buyer attorney with the law offices of Francis M. Litro, located at 237 Main Street in Buffalo, New York. If you or someone you know is seriously injured, give him a call at 716-852-1234 or check out LitroLaw.com. Uh, what do you think about that, Ryan? The text line, the Shout Insider text line is now officially sponsored by Carrie C. Buyer uh, and uh, the Litro Law, Law Group. Yeah, love the news, love the Shout Text Insider group, Uh, great dialogue back and forth. Uh, We've been sending a lot of interesting tidbits to the Bills Mafia over the past 24, 48 hours as we're ramping up here for game week. Bills Mafia, check it out, two-week free trial, you can't go wrong.
Yeah, I was telling people in the in the text line earlier today that I think we could expect five podcasts this week. We did one um, yesterday with Antoine Staley. You can go back and watch or listen to that. Uh, New York Jets uh, beat reporter for the New York uh, Daily News. Uh, we got obviously the staple show tonight. I got an interview, one guest interview at least, maybe two. And obviously Ryan and I uh, will fill in elsewhere. Roy Collins, it's an ad, ad, ad world. Yeah, man, you got to pay the bills, my friend. You got to pay the bills. Every time you tune in to watch your bills on CBS, Fox, ESPN, what do you got to wait for in between quarters, in between plays, in between series? Ads, 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 baby. Anyway, I, I digress. Let's get to <laughs> Micah Hyde here because a little bit of curveball from Sean McDermott today saying that Micah Hyde wasn't going to practice, said he'd been dealing with a couple of things then mentioned specifically a back issue. The Bills don't have to release an injury report until tomorrow because that's officially like a Wednesday. Uh, the three injury reports that will come out um, five days before the game. So it'll be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, off Sunday, and then Monday for the game. Well, So we're putting out these reports about Micah Hyde based on Sean McDermott talking about him not practicing. And then lo and behold, we get out there. He's in Jersey. He's going through stretch. He's going through parts of individual. They were working on his back a little bit um, at the other side. Uh, and I know, wink, wink, Roy. I got your reference. Don't worry about it, buddy. Uh, thank you to all the our faithful on YouTube. Hit that like and subscribe as well. But, you know, I think it's we're trending in a good direction with Micah Hyde. I know there's a lot of panic at first, but Jordan Poyer was kind of asked about it. Uh, he didn't go as far as to say he's going to play for sure, but he said he knows his, he's got to work on his body. He knows his body, and uh, he looked like he wasn't super concerned when asked about it. And Sean McDermott is so guarded with his words and when he says things. And I don't want to say he, that he puts a panic in the fan base, but he he never wants to necessarily you know be too optimistic or or on the other end of the spectrum either uh, make things look like they're dire but you go back to Connor McGovern and, and his injury and oh we got to wait and see it's too early to know and he was you know pretty much fine at the end of the of the day he was back out there he had the brace on he was practicing as we know so with Micah Hyde I, I kind of take those comments with the grain of salt especially when you see him out there on the field doing some stretching having his back worked on yes but I think you're right. There's enough time between now and Monday that he can get right. He can get out there on the field and that they can have their, you know, not just their starting safety duo, but their starting safety duo and Trey White together for the first time, all together starting in quite some time. I wonder what they'll do if Hyde, like, hypothetically couldn't play, though, because the depth chart was released today. Uh, not a surprise, but DeMar Hamlin listed as Micah Hyde's back of the free safety. And then a strong safety, I think, Taylor Rapp listed behind Poyer to me I feel I feel like that's it makes a lot of sense in the way that those two players play I think that you know if DeMar Hamlin had to come in and play strong safety they do cross train them a little bit I don't think it'd be out of the realm of possibility but what do you think happens like I think no matter who gets injured and how the depth chart looks Taylor wraps the first one off the bench depending on which one of these guys can't go at any given point yeah, unless the Bills specifically for this week one matchup have a package where they want to be able to give some three safety looks and they want to be able to use him in, in different ways. Uh, I don't see how you don't have Rap as the first one off the bench. I think that although he's new to the system, that uh, he had a strong summer. He's someone that they prioritized even after uh, signing Jordan, re-signing Jordan Poyer. So it's something where they have a role in vision for him. But if it comes to, down to an injury, I think that he's the guy that you want out there opposite. In this case, it would be Jordan Poyer. You'd feel good about that, the starting reps that he has over the course of his career. 
Uh, it allows DeMar Hamlin still kind of ease his way back in. Give him maybe you can mix him in, mix him in a little bit here and there. But I agree with you that it would be Rap coming in first off the bench if that were to happen. I went back and watched the Week Nine game, uh, Bills and Jets, just to kind of get a sense at you know what New York did defensively well against Josh Allen. And honestly, coming out of it, Ryan, the biggest because you know these games they, they you watch so many over the course of the years, you watch them back, it's hard to keep them all together. I forgot how much the Bills really shot themselves in the foot in that game. I mean, Josh Allen with just two head-scratching interceptions in that game. That like He came out today and was <clears throat> pretty honest about it. And he's like, you can't do that. Like You can't have plays that give the ball back to their offense. I mean, that's why I feel like um, you know the Jets were able to not only hang in that game, but ultimately win it. Um, this is a team now that I feel like knows – offensively like what they have to limit against this defense and listen Stefan Diggs even said like when he was asked about the Jets shutting down their offense last year he's like shutting down our offense like I had 99 yards in the first get in the first half uh of that first game and he's right They're, they were absolutely cooking offensively outside of those two turnovers so I don't know if this is as a one-sided a, a matchup as you know, the numbers indicator, even the, the memory banks would provide, you know, there was a lot of success in that first matchup. And and Josh Allen has had success against Robert Sala defenses in his career. Remember that 49ers uh, primetime game a couple of years ago? Yeah. And, and despite his first loss uh, at MetLife Stadium last year against the Jets, this is still someone who is three and one on the road against the Jets. He's had at least 290 yards of total offense in those four games. The offense has shown that they can move the ball, but some costly mistakes last year kind of uh, really hurt them. But another thing you mentioned after rewatching that game, Ed, is on the other side of the ball. They were without Matt Milano in that game. They were without Trey White. They were without Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde. Those are four key starters on that side of the uh, defense. And, and without them, the Bills still kept things interesting, made it a close game. You're, you, you know, you're going into this knowing that at least three of them are going to be in this matchup. Uh, you're hoping to have Hyde as well, obviously. You know you don't have Von Miller for this one, which you did last year in that Week 9 matchup. But they're a lot healthier on that side of the ball as well. And yes, Aaron Rodgers is there, but Aaron Rodgers has struggled mightily the last two years in Week 1, Matt, uh, against the Vikings and against the Saints in the past two years. He's thrown for less than 200 yards passing in both games. He's had three interceptions total to zero touchdowns. Uh, week one, he kind of comes out of the gate a little bit slow and with a new system, not a new system, he knows Nathaniel Heck, but new offensive weapons, new offensive line, you name it. I wouldn't be shocked if it, it's a slow start for him as well. So, you know, a lot of people are kind of writing off the Bills based on some struggles, some close games last year. It's a whole new ball game for both of these teams. Um, if you want a whole new ball game on Sundays and Mondays, head over to Tops Friendly Markets today and uh, go over to their website. You can score a jersey from uh, Fanatics. Score a jersey from Fanatics. One jersey will be given out per touchdown that Buffalo scores in each game this season. Automatically receive an entry every time you purchase products from participating fan favorite brands. I mentioned them at the top of the show. You got to use your bonus plus card from now until October 28th. If you head over to topsmarkets.com uh, backwards slash have it right here jersey fanatics you can uh, find the official rules and get more detail shout a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan talbot what's up everybody matt perino here 
one half of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, here today to talk to you about Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 5 million members. It is the most fun and exciting way to get in on the action while you watch your favorite sports and players. You just pick more or less on two or more player stats for a shot to win up to 100 times your cash. Testing your skills on prize picks this playoff basketball season is the most simple way to get in on the action. You just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and submit your lineup. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what makes prize picks the number one fantasy sports app. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Again. Download the app today and use code SHOUT, S-H-O-U-T, for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Ryan, where do you want to go next? Well, we have a super chat here, Matt, that I think we should address. Your honest opinion on the in-game coaching prowess of Sean McDermott. He has his typical sound bites. He has his track record is crap when it matters. I guess I would take issue with uh, it's crap when it matters. I know the 13 seconds, the chiefs game, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And I understand that. I understand the, the mistakes that the team made in that game, but this is also a bills team that won 13 games one year ago with three losses by eight combined points. And the, the playoff loss, I, I guess that'd be a, you know, quote unquote, a game that mattered. I get it. I think they were just emotionally, the tank was empty, so to speak. So I, I can't even put that game against him. This team has won a lot of close games over the years with McDermott. They, they've had a really good defense. Yes, Leslie Frazier was the defensive coordinator, but this has always been a Sean McDermott defense. Uh, he's been able to get a lot of success out of a team that really struggled to have success before he arrived. So I, I don't necessarily agree with the track record part of it. I think he's had a lot of success defensively with the bills and there's just one or two games that kind of stand out from the the rest because of how meaningful they were i don't know in-game coaching prowess i mean if you go back to last season i believe the year before sean mcdermott ranked i believe first in some of the advanced numbers when it comes to like in-game decision making when to go for it on fourth down uh, spot on the field, decision-making, so on and so forth, an area where I feel like he's really come a long way over the course of his tenure going back to 2017. Now, with that said, you you can definitely critique how so, how the seasons have ended and some of the, you know, like what he's attempting to do this season. I mean, if you have that area of your system, I listen to Mike Lombardi uh, a lot of the time. Um, he does a podcast over uh, the GM shuffle. He was an uh, executive in the league for a long time, and, and you can have any opinion you want of him. But, you know, one thing that he talks a lot about that I do agree with and I enjoy, we had him on our, on our podcast. He talks about the importance of the head coach being the CEO. 
of the operation. And that's something for me, I really truly think you need in the NFL. And I think if you're trying to wear both hats, right, unless you're, you know, Andy Reid, who's been in the league or, or Bill Belichick, who's been in the league for decades and has all this experience in both coordinator roles and head coaching roles. Like I think doing all of that in game is difficult. And I think it's going to be a trying season for Sean McDermott. It's one that's going to test him, you know, mentally, emotionally, um, you know, the depths of what he is as a coach is going to be challenged this year. And he's kind of put that on himself. And I think he's accepted that challenge. And now it's going to be, listen, we'll learn a lot more about him this year. And trust me, I'm a reporter. I get the, uh, the frustration with the sound bites, right? Like we asked him, a bunch of different things today. And he said, we're taking it one day at a time. I think we, we wrote it down at four different times in the press conference. And, and here's a little, a little bit here. Everybody takes everything one day at a time, one play at a time, one story at a time, one podcast at a time. Like that's what we all do. Right. But uh, that's the, uh, that's the situation. Yeah. And, and Freddie did another super chat here. Said terrible challenge record, awful time management. I get it. I mean, no, he is not perfect, and we are not sitting here saying he's perfect. There have been times where it would have been smart to have a, a timeout in the back pocket, but he's had to burn them at times. And uh, the challenge record over the years, there was a one point a few years ago, I think where he was like three and some some like three and fifteen was his challenge record. It was, it was down there, but he's gotten better at that. Just like Matt mentioned, he got better. Uh, over time with a lot of different aspects of this team from being more aggressive and things like that. Um, so it, it's just something with a head coach that over time they learn from their mistakes. And I think he's learned a lot, but this is a pivotal year for him. And he knows it since he's calling this defense, since he's putting a lot of that pressure on his shoulders, trying to get the bills over that proverbial hump that they have been struggling to do when it matters in the playoffs. Yeah. Some of the challenge challenges over the years have been kind of, questionable to to definitely Freddie. And he said, uh, you know, the calls into question, some of his, some of the two minute drives. I don't know how much I would put on uh, uh, that on Sean McDermott specifically. I think Ken Dorsey before him, Brian Dable had a role in those. And at times, like, I don't know about you, Ryan, there's been times where I feel like this two minute offense is the best version of the offense. I mean, I, I remember times talking on this show about how the Bills should kind of operate in two minute all the time because of some of the success that they've had over the season. But Sean McDermott, I was looking at his playoff record and his regular season record, and the win percentage through seven years is almost virtually identical to Mike Tomlin's. Like, playoff, playoff almost exactly. I think Tomlin's playoff record is eight and nine. What's the difference? Tomlin has the Super Bowl. Once you get the Super Bowl, you get so much more runway. Now, I think Sean McDermott gets natural runway because of where this team and organization was before he got to town. And there's such a healthy, infrastructure with the coach and the GM and the way that they operate the staff, both staffs that I think that that gives you additional runway and they're still in a super window, super bowl window. And listen, there's not many players in the league whose opinion holds more weight than Von Miller. And there couldn't be a bigger Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean fan uh, in that locker room than Miller. So there's a lot of, there's pressure this year. I don't even want to say a lot of pressure. It's a different kind of pressure than a year ago because where I want to transition to next, Ryan, is like, it's amazing to me how quickly everybody's fallen out of love with the mm -hmm. Mills nationally. It's something that I've been kind of paying attention to. And I'm not just talking about the national talk shows because like 
that type of stuff, like the Nick Wrights of the world, the Stephen A. Smiths of the world, those aren't super informed NFL opinions. I mean, Nick Nick Wright is a huge Chiefs homer. That's the only thing he's really paying attention to. I don't know if he knows much more about the league, and it's a shame because I actually think he's pretty good uh, on the NBA. Same with Stephen A. Um, but I wanted to get to a Sports Illustrated article, and maybe I'll have our good buddy Matt Verderam uh, on the program at some point this week or next to talk about this the thing. They had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten um, of their experts, their NFL experts do their picks for the playoffs, like how will teams finish, and then go through the entire bracket. And, Ryan, it's amazing. Out of 10, I believe that two of the experts didn't have the Bills making the playoffs, and none of the 10 had the Bills making it to the AFC title game. I think that is absolutely wild, considering the talent. But are we maybe blinded by the fact that are we not seeing things that maybe people on the outside are seeing? Or is this just maybe an overreaction to what happened in Buffalo against the Bengals a few months ago? It's an overreaction from the media. It's nothing more than that. It, it, the Bills are no longer the hot story. They're no longer the uh, Super Bowl favorites. The, you look in the division and there's Aaron Rodgers now and look at how good the Dolphins were when Tua was healthy. But the Bills are getting written off. And oddly enough, the Patriots all of a sudden are getting media love. I saw one uh, thing that had the Patriots finishing second in the division while the Bills are finishing fourth. Someone posted that on social media today. But in some of these uh, predictions, I saw the Patriots is like a three seed in the AFC East. <laughs> I, I, I don't see that. I think that's wild. I think that's insane. I, I think that some of these media personalities from SI.com and uh, on ESPN and, and all the national shows, it's a hot take. And if somehow the, the Patriots overachieve and do well and even uh, contend for a playoff spot, maybe the prediction doesn't look terrible in retrospect. But, it, you know, if, the, if they're wrong, people are going to forget about this article within a, a few weeks, most likely. And there's not going to be much of a, a backlash from it. I, I just think that it's something that they can kind of pad and lean on if, hey, if we're close to being right on this, we look really smart. But I don't see a world where the Patriots are one of the top two teams in this AFC East uh, and, and the bills are missing the playoffs altogether. I, I don't care if you don't have the bills making it to the super bowl, winning the super bowl. Uh, but, but some of the playoff standings, some of the ways they had these things breaking down, I thought were, were pretty ridiculous overall. Yeah. And Freddie J is just dropping hard earned dollars with the super chat in here. He wants to throw in one more three years yet. No learning uh, in, in, uh, regards to McDermott. I'm a diehard Bills fan, sick of the excuses, love McDermott, but damn the systematic brain farts on the field. And listen, I, I think it's perfectly fair to have a level of frustration. I think it's also reasonable to expect a level of perspective when looking at this whole thing. I mean, one team gets to win the Super Bowl every year, right? And we've seen Years and years and decades and decades of NFL head coaches that have had to go through the fires. It's not too often that you find a coach very early in the career that wins a Super Bowl somehow. I mean, you you know, there's some there's some there's some examples. I mean, Sean McVay, how many years was he, uh, you know, uh, a head coach before he won a Super Bowl? It was a couple. Right. It wasn't it wasn't very long. So, listen, I, I think it's, you know, also a little shout out to Carl uh, Tommen. He said that it's great, another super chat from our good buddy, uh, the Bills play better when under the radar. And I think we're referring to the fact that a lot of the national media aren't picking the Bills. And I don't think it's a huge deal. 
I'm just trying to see if we're missing something here because I looked through this depth chart. I looked through the, all the position groups and where the bills were weaker last year. I feel like they found some strength like safety with Taylor Rapp. Um, you know, Tremaine Edmonds is a guy that, that, that seems like a huge loss, maybe a step back, but they had Tremaine Edmonds, a healthy Tremaine Edmonds in the playoffs. And they gave up 29 to the Skylar Thompson led Miami dolphins. And then, what we saw happen on, in Buffalo against the Bengals. So I'm not necessarily sure that's going to be the loss that is the difference between them not advancing farther in the playoffs. If anything, I would lean towards the offense, which I think that they did. They signed what I think you could consider a premier free agent in Connor McG McGovern just from the sense that he, I think he was the second or third offensive lineman selected. And I think if you put all the numbers next to each other, he got one of the more lucrative deals. I mean, Ryan, can you believe this? I was just—I just saw this the other day. Do you know who's still a free agent? Who's that, Matt? Dalton Reisner. Mm -hmm. He was like number one or number two on the interior offensive line. All those free agent lists that kind of uh, make their way around the internet before the start of free agency. And you were a big fan of maybe a yeah. Dalton Reisner. He's still sitting out there as a free agent. Yeah, and there's you know workout videos posted of him. He seems healthy, but whether it's a dollar amount that he's looking for, or whether it's just not being a good fit for a lot of these teams in terms of uh, the skill set, it just didn't work out. But when when it came to McGovern, the Bills figured they targeted him. They looked at him as this is a guy that checks all the boxes of what we want to do. He had a strong summer with training camp. Uh, he he kind of solidified himself at that left guard spot. I feel like the Bills have a really good interior on that offensive line now between him, Osiris Torrance, obviously Mitch Morse in the middle. So you're right. There are there are some weaknesses like middle linebacker on paper, but there's so many more strengths now. Having a Dalton Kincaid that can kind of play that slot position that was so important in Cole Beasley's early years here, upgrading the run game, not just having James Cook in year two who looks phenomenal, but adding a Damian Harris and a Latavius Murray. They've done so much where uh, I think that the Bills roster on paper compared to one year ago, this is a much better roster. And I know the Jets got better. The Dolphins got better, but so did the Bills. So the fact that they're being written off here, uh, it's just, again, it's humorous. It's something that the national media does. They push it because if the Bills do miss the playoffs, they look like geniuses. It's a tough conference, but I don't anticipate that happening at all. Uh, I'd be very surprised if that happened. And I guarantee you, though, the Bills might use some of this as bulletin board material. They look for motivation. They look for people to write them off. And they they use that in internally within that locker room. Um, so I, I'm sure that they're not minding flying under the radar and, and some of these people critiquing them, saying they're not good enough to make the playoffs this year. It, it's something that they're using maybe to give them that little chip on their shoulder. Um, I got a chip on my shoulder, Ryan. You know why? Was that because I ordered uh, a, a bowl from Chipotle today and they just it was underwhelming amount of chicken. Mm. Like, listen, I get it, man. Like you're trying to save your your product there. You got a, you got a little bowl of chicken. I want to give out too much to each person. But can you just go heavier on the spoon? Like, I'm just trying to get my protein number. I, I got to hit my macros, you know, and, and I just thought it was. You know, it was really disappointing. It's it's put a chip on my shoulder. I'm going to go into that line the next time I go to Chipotle. And I'm going to say, fella, throw a little extra chicken on that bowl, which please. Anyway, I just thought I'd add that. It was something I was very emotional about earlier today. Yeah. Shout not brought to you by Chipotle. Right. But maybe <laughs> <laughs> if they put some more chicken or steak in that scoop, we can talk. <laughs> That's all I'm saying.
All right, Freddie J dropping another. Freddie J has dropped $20, a hot 20 on the show today uh, on the super in the super chats. Legit question. Talbot, you're majestic. But what's the deal with middle linebacker? Is Bernard a lock now or protect, perhaps will it be a rotation? Talbot, I'm going to say, yeah. uh, oh, I think that's a fair assessment there, too. Uh, <laughs> I think he's a lock for now. And, and I say for now because. I still think there's that lingering Dorian Williams question. And do you move him over to middle linebacker? Do you give him some reps at practice? Really try to let him develop in season, you know, in the background without people watching. And at some point, maybe hand the job off to him if Bernard struggles. And, and that that is an if because we don't know. No games have been played yet. No meaningful games. If he comes in here and he looks like he did in the spring in terms of how much he impressed you and, and other media members, the Bills might not have a vacancy there. It might not be a pressing matter for this team. Uh, but I still want to say that this the door is not completely closed and someone else starting at that position this season. All right, well, let's get to uh, some questions over on the uh, subtext line. And by the way, you can become a Shout Bills Insider Tech subscriber right now. Just text 716-528-6727 or... Send me a little DM, and maybe we can work out a little deal. Maybe give you a one-month free trial. We'll see. Just to check it out, see what it's all about. Uh, what do we got, Ryan? We had a couple questions coming there. Yeah. Uh, is there anything to worry about with Puna Ford being listed as essentially the fifth defensive tackle? To me, this is like – this is just natural order because of when he got here, right? Like, I mean, right. he is the newest addition to that defensive tackle room, and I feel like Settle and – Jordan Phillips are veterans. I mean, I don't think that they've done anything to lose their spot uh, on the depth chart. And it's a situation where I think it's going to be very matchup specific. I think that there's certain skill sets. They've, they've played a couple, they've played settle and Puna four together at times. Like where's Jordan Phillips? Like what's his snap percentage going to be? I think the bottom line is they're going to put them in a position to be successful. And I think that you're going to probably see those guys get played, you know, quite a bit and, and kind of turn this thing through. I still think Oliver ends up, with the most snaps or maybe Daquan Jones, but I think you're going to see some going forward on Monday night. Yeah. Um, you know, more of a long-term season question here, but uh, Tanya wants to know, do you think that Sean McDermott will end up calling plays the entire season or handed off at some point this year? I, I think that he's going to call it for the year. Like you said, he knows there's a lot riding on this season. I think that he wants their success or failure to be squarely on his shoulders at the end of the day. Uh, and I, it would, I don't want to say it'd be a cop-out, but if he turns it over at some point in this season, there could be an excuse built in where, well, I wasn't calling it in this game, and not that he would do that, but other people could use that. I, I think he calls it all season long. I think the Bills do have some viable candidates to call this defense, both this year, obviously, and down the road, but right now I think it's Sean McDermott doing it all season long. What about you? Yeah, I think um, I think he's left the door open to it. I mean, letting John... John Butler kind of take the reins there in the final preseason game. Sure. He wanted to get um, a good look at all the players that he was going to be evaluating as they made final decisions. But I think it was also kind of like a dress rehearsal to see what it would look like if he wasn't doing it. I think it's going to depend on the kind of success that they have. It's like a, it's something that you can hold in your back pocket. Like, okay, if we, you get into a bad stretch, you have a bad result, you can pivot. And, you know, I think it's going to come down to those game management situations. Like, how much time does he have to spend with the defense? Like, do they have it set up? And that's something I'm going to have my binoculars on, on Monday night. 
you know, watching the sidelines as the offense is taking the field and just kind of peering over and like, what does Sean McDermott do in those moments? Uh, are you laughing because I said binoculars? I, I have yes. binoculars. <laughs> you, he does. I, yeah, I've been there to witness it many times. And actually, they they are very helpful uh, when you're when you're seeing who's on the field, who's practicing and warming up. Uh, game plan question. Not maybe not game plan, Matt, but how do you think the Bills attack the Jets on Monday night? I think first of all, interesting numbers. Twelve carries between Singletary and James Cook in the first game against the Jets last year, and twelve exactly for the two combined in the second game. And I feel like it's going to be something they weren't. They're going to want an uptick there. For James Cook and wh- however it works out, Damian Harris, does Latavius Murray get involved? We'll see. Josh Allen had 19 carries uh, combined between the two games, 10 in the first, 9 in the second, or, or flip those around. I think they want to run him less. I think they want to lean on those like super quick decision passes where Josh, Josh Allen isn't putting himself in a position where he has to either A, evade the pocket, evade pressure, or put himself in those dangerous running situations. You you went out and you got the short and intermediate answer in Dalton Kincaid. Lean on him. You have Deontay Hardy, who you can do multiple things with in the offense. I think the the name of the game against a, a defense like this that has the kind of playmakers on the on the front that they have, you got to get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands quickly and, and and get in the hands of your playmakers. To me, that's where the run after the catch has the best chance of materializing. Is if you if you operate effectively in that way as an offense. Yeah, I, I think that's a great game plan. I think leaning on the backs to actually carry the load a little bit. And, and if the Bills can have success on the ground with James Cook getting those chunk plays, Damian Harris or, or Latavius Murray uh, picking up those short yardage situations, then the Jets are, are going to have to respect the run. And that's going to open up things for Josh Allen in this passing game. I, I'm interested to see how Dalton Kincaid is utilized in his first matchup. I think that he can create mismatches then you know mismatches in general, and I know easier said easier said than done. I think that's something that Ken Dorsey really kind of went into the offseason and said, well, "How can I do a better job of creating mismatches pre-snap? What can I do? Moving players around, obviously, that's a big thing. Make it difficult for Sauce Gardner to shadow uh, Stefan Diggs all game long. Whether that means putting Diggs in the slot at times." Uh, moving in pre-snap, whatever they have to do to kind of create a little bit of confusion for that Jets defense, I think is going to help this team as well. And, and I really do think that that's going to play a big part in the, the Bills' success this season. Let's go to Brazil. Our good buddy Bernardo Dietze with the big super chat. Terrell Bernard faked the hamstring to win the job by default, knowing Dotson is so bad. McD is gone after this season. Hope I'm wrong and we win the Super Bowl. You can always count on Bernardo for that hyperbolic, McDermott take. Listen, Ryan, I don't think there is a scenario that could play out this year. And maybe this is me being hyperbolic in response to our good buddy Bernardo. And I'll love it to you, man. I, I love how passionate he gets. I don't think there's a scenario where Sean McDermott can get fired this year. No, I agree with that. I mean, you and unless you're talking like somehow the, the bottom falls out on this team and you're talking uh, a two, three win season somehow. And I don't see any scenario where that plays out. I, I don't. Um, so that's why I say he's 100% safe as well. It would have to be just this season that blindsides everyone, even the people that aren't picking the Bills to make the playoffs. No one's expecting them to be necessarily one of the worst teams in the league, to be in the running for one of the premier players in next year's draft, so to speak. 
it, it would have to be some kind of colossal failure from top to bottom. And I, with the talent on this roster, with Sean McDermott's track record, I don't see any way it plays out like that. I understand the frustration from a fan, fan perspective. And I was actually talking about this on John Scott's podcast that went on there with Sal and uh, Elena from ESPN. Um, and we do this this thing before, like the big moments like that. End of the season wrap up super pot or before the season super pot. It's fun time. Uh, just a couple of Bills reporters talking shop. And one of the things I mentioned on that show was how I've never felt Sean McDermott's approval rating amongst the fan base to be lower than it, it feels right now going into this season. And it's like, in a lot of ways, Leslie Frazier was this scapegoat that a lot of people slung a lot of, um, you know, I don't want to say hate towards, but like, pinned a lot of the blame for whether it be defensive struggles or, you know, big game struggles where the defense has had on Frazier. I feel like a lot of that's gone now. And so now when you remove that, it's like McDermott kind of gets bumped up the, um, I don't know, pecking order when it comes to people, you know, wanting to find someone to blame. And despite that being the case, I think people fail to realize how healthy this, like I mentioned a few minutes ago, this organization is, how consistently, how consistent it's been and how much they've been able to win under McDermott and Bean, that it's just like, I feel like you get, behind you get so foggy as you start to move further away from something and you forget about how bad things were in 17, now I'm not, before 17. Now I'm not saying you just completely dull your expectations and don't put the Super Bowl at the front of mind. Of course you do. But I, I just sometimes think when people are super hypercritical of McDermott, and I've been at times too, they're not also like taking into account some of the other, you know, head coaching performances we've seen across the league, at, you know, in big games, in regular seasons, teams taking, you know, Sean, McDer Sean McVay won a Super Bowl, and correct me if I'm wrong, he didn't make the playoffs the next year. Right. That's just it. I mean, you have to look at it from – the success that he's had, the success that this team has had. And yes, they, they laid an egg in that playoff game against the Bengals last year. But look at the the circumstances surrounding the team last year and, and everything that happened, you know, especially with DeMar Hamlin late in the season, that still kind of hanging over the team, even though he was in attendance for the game. Um, th there was just a lot last year that factored into the season and how things kind of played out. You you can look at the time management with the, the Chiefs lost in the playoffs the year before that, but those are small tidbits of what he's been able to do on the negative side compared to the positives, compared to the fact that this team is in sync with one another, that there's a lot of faith within the front office and the coaching staff and working in harmony with one another. The fact that they just signed extensions tells you how highly they are regarded by Terry Pagula in terms of, you know, building a team that can last and can contend for a Super Bowl, And it, the one thing the Bills haven't had the past few years in the playoffs is luck. And, and I know maybe that sounds like a cop-out, but I truly I truly believe that teams that win Super Bowls, Stanley Cups, uh, you know, NBA championships, NCAA championships, the list goes on on World Series, luck plays a part in that. There, there's a little bit of luck that gets factored in. And when it's come to the Bills, it has not been on their side in, in some of these games. And uh, I, I think when they eventually do get over the hump and they do make it to the big game and perhaps win it all, there's going to be a point or two in the playoff run where you can look back and say, you know, luck was on their side late in the game or in this series. 
it, it just hasn't panned out for the team yet. That doesn't mean it's not going to because of the success that McDermott has had over the past few years. Freddie J, I'm, I'm going to have to start <laughs> calling you Mr. Moneybags. Another super chat. Glad to support you both. Thank you. You're a fantastic source uh, for us Bills fans. We appreciate that. Glad to be it. Switch to Aaron Rodgers and their problematic O-line. Your thoughts. Man, he's really pushing this thing forward. We should save that kind of conversation for the preview show. But let's give a little, little bit of – let's dip our toes in the water here. How problematic is the Jets' offensive line? Because to me, you go back to last season and, you know, it's it's mostly the same. Like they're, they're going to add um, – Makai Becton, who wasn't in the games last year, he'll be at right tackle, which I think is an advantageous matchup for the Bills. But in the first game last year, the loss, Daquan Jones had two pressures. Von Miller had two pressures. No other defensive lineman had any pressures in that game. So, yeah, Zach Wilson was getting the ball out of his hands quickly, but now you're dealing with Aaron Rodgers, you know, higher-level quarterback, higher football IQ. I mean, the Bills are going to have to affect this game for, with their defensive front, and that, or do the Bills – decide to get a little bit aggressive and with and how they attack the defense, but then you got to rely on your coverage. I mean, there's so many different kind of little games within the game that we'll be, we'll be watching for on Monday night. I, I think the Jets line is problematic, but I felt that the Bengals offensive line going into that playoff game last year was problematic. And we saw the lack of success uh, that the bills were able to have in terms of beating that O line and getting after Joe Burrow and, uh, if they couldn't do it against a bunch of reserves last year, I'm going to kind of take a wait-and-see approach. And I know this roster is different this year. They've added some talent across the board on the D-line. But I'm in more of a wait-and-see mode. I do think that there are issues that the Jets O-line are going to have in general over the course of this entire season. But when it comes to a matchup against the Bills, I need to see Greg Rousseau beating his guy uh, time and time again. I, I need to see Leonard Floyd having success and looking like the guy that had nine sacks a year ago, the interior players getting that pressure as well. They need to kind of step up and, and show that this is a different D-line because that has been an issue with this team over the past few years, minus obviously the, the first half of last year where you did have Von Miller being a big-time difference maker. Clayton Waller, is it true that the Jets didn't face a healthy Bills defense or offense for that matter last year or two? Uh, we mentioned it at the top of the show that uh, thank you for the super chat, Clayton. The Bills were pretty banged up yeah. uh, last year. And also, if you want to throw Gabe Davis into that mix, I mean, he talked about not really being right all last season. So getting them in on week one, to me, is going to be the best indication of you know where the Bills stack up. With this team, within the division, all those kinds of things, obviously the Jets are going to evolve over the course of the season. Like They'll probably be a better version of themselves in December, right? But the problem for the Jets, and I continue to come back to this, their first eight or nine games are super difficult. Ooh. Like If they don't get off to the kind of start that they're hoping to get off to, you start answering those questions in New York. And I was actually reading the story, uh, Zach Rosenblatt from uh, The Athletic put together a piece on Aaron Rodgers a couple days ago, and he mentioned how, you know, Aaron Rodgers said the teams that he's been about and on that have been great aren't always the most talented, but they're the ones that how the how closely knit the group is and how much you can come together. Josh Allen, Stefan or uh, Stefan Diggs, Sean McDermott have said similar things in the past. And I got to thinking, like, how much could a bad start impact the the, the bond, the tightness? Like when you got to go into these meetings and the wins aren't there. Like the, the expectations aren't be, being met. I think that could kind of throw this thing off course. 
Yeah, when you have players going into press conferences and saying that they think they're going to be like the 85 Bears and the Ravens team with Ray Lewis and be that good, especially on that side of the ball, if you come out and you lay a against the Bills and then listen to the, the next few games at Dallas, that Dallas has a really good team uh, against the Patriots at home, I think New England's going to be you know hovering around that 500 point this season. Jets at home, uh, Broncos on the road, Eagles at, at home. That is a tough, tough slate to start the year. And like you said, if they start out two and four, one and five, something like that, the wheels are going to fall off of this thing. And all of the hype that was surrounding them, uh, it's going to feel all for not pretty quickly. So they need to come out strong against the Bills, but just in general as well, because they're not just getting a lot of national media love. They're kind of playing it up as well between hard knocks and, and some of these comments that they're making at press conferences. We got a lot to get to here in the last 35 to 40 seconds of this show. Uh, so buckle up. Ads time, right? Uh, and also announcement time because uh, we got a bit of a shift here for everybody. We've been talking about our next live show. And thank you to Billy Piano for throwing down five bucks on the way out. Thank you for all you guys do. I always enjoy your shows. Uh, we're so appreciative of you, Billy. Thank you so much, my friend. We are going to be live at Wingnuts, the new Wingnuts in Amherst, 1402 Millersport Highway. But um, – some delays and we're going to have to shift plans. So we're actually heading back to froth at 700 military road, which is old faithful. I mean, this, listen, we're not going to go away from froth forever. When this Amherst location opens up, froth is amazing. We can't wait to host another event there. Uh, but it is going to be 700 military road, uh, September 16th, night before the home opener shout live with Ryan Talbot and myself, uh, we can't wait. We just got to pivot. We just got to go to North Buffalo instead of Amherst. And I don't mind uh, pivoting if it means heading to Froth, having some delicious beers, some elite wings, and talking bills on the eve of their home opener. So I cannot wait, Matt. I'm looking forward to heading to Froth for our next live show. Yeah, and Freddie J says, uh, Matt, you're okay. I know Talbot's the talent of this group. So <laughs> you, you don't have to You don't have to play nice with me, Freddie. I, I know who you're here for. Um, speaking of what you want to be here for, the best burger deals in town. With over 30 ready-to-grill burgers, Tops is the place to pick the juiciest, most delicious burgers. Uh, from beef and turkey to chicken and veggie, you'll find something for everyone. Taste the flavors of the world with unique toppings and twists on the classic burger, Tops World of Burgers, yours to explore. All right, Ryan, we're going to get out of here just under an hour. And stay tuned. I mean, keep refreshing the feed, whether you listen on audio, um, uh, video here on YouTube, Facebook. We're going to be back with uh, daily episodes all the way up until the big game, Monday Night Football. Can't wait. For Ryan, I'm Matt. See you soon. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.